This episode of Relativity is made possible through the support of Stephen and Catherine Farris, Bill Cariola, Barry Heap, Paul Van Bremen, and Michael W. McClure, and by listeners like you, who support us and get exclusive content through patreon.com slash relativity. Relativity, episode 57, in which time is running out. Emergency, severe damage to EVA Can we set that off? Nadia, stop it, we are aware. I apologize, it is a basic level. Nadia, shut up. Chris, talk to us. The inner suit has inflated and it's it's mostly plugging That's up. That's a temporary this. fix at best. Still losing a lot of air. Our suit sections 11 through 14 are compromised. Section 12 missing oh, entirely. I can't see very well. He's blacking out. Chris, stay with us. We took him as far away from the airlock as we could without... Bring a robot in. Let the tool bag go and grab that suit. Right. Bring it in, robot, too. Grab that puncture. Let's see if we can hold it closed. That robot is coming right at me. He's coming to help you, Doctor. There's, there's nothing he can do. Hard to do without a more precise visual. Doctor? Chris? Uh, yeah? The robot should be extending a hand. A, a bundle of metal fingers. Uh, yeah, I see that. Can you grab that hand and lead it to where your suit is open? Take his hand. Um... Is he doing it? I can't tell. The robot hand is touching us. Fingers played in all directions. Dr. Mason, I'm going to close that hand now. Yell out if it starts to hurt you. Uh... Air level critical. Okay. Oh, I... Yeah. Okay, I'm putting... I'm putting his fingers on... on my... On the hole in the suit. The hand is closing. I can feel it. I can feel it. It's pulling the gap closed. Can we boost the output from his tank? Doing it now. The hand is holding the gap closed as best it can, but it is by no means an airtight seal. But is it helping? Definitely. And I sense the new influx of atmosphere. It's pulling out through the gaps almost as fast as we can pump it in. How much time does he have? A few minutes. More precisely, given the rate of Not yet. The- Marcus, get that other robot to grab the winch cable. It would be faster if the two robots propelled us up to the jet cycle. I am not sending him up untethered like that. Uh-huh. We may have to. Robots having trouble catching the cable. Can the robots move him up to the cycle and stop when they get there? Between the two of them, you'll be able to motivate and control once his boot magnets are off. Nadia, when both the robots have him, turn off the electromagnets. Roger that. Robot 1 is approaching. Robot 1 is extending an arm. Robot 1 has closed its hand on the strap connecting our helmet to our suit. That's not ideal, but I'll take it. Switch off those magnets. Magnets off. Power them out, Marcus. A nice straight line. Oh, 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 flying. Please stay still, Doctor. We're moving you to the cycle. Oh, God. Please be quiet. Chris, talking is a waste of the air you need for survival. Distance to cycle? 20 meters. 19. 18. Don't rush, but... You know. Rush, but don't rush. Exactly. Chris, raise your arms and be prepared to grab the cycle. Five meters. Air level at 50%. His exposure to background radiation is increasing as well. Doctor, can you grab any part of the cycle? I'm trying. Let us know when you have it. Uh, handlebar. I've got the, uh, I've got got the handlebar. Is that true? Affirmative. 
We have the handlebar with one hand and the seat with the other. Chris, you need to pull yourself onto the bike and latch on. I'm hooking onto the, the thing. It's true. We are latched on. Is he secure enough for acceleration? He is. Marcus, maximum speed. I can't control it with as much accuracy. Maximum speed. Right. Hit it for the prow. Oh, well... Oh, no, no, Marcus, no, uh, no. Oh, uh. Coming around? This is the tricky part. Careful. Warning. Temperature control failure. Heating system is offline. Rounding the prow at top speed. Port side, heading for the airlock. Distance and time? 500 meters, ETA. Never mind, just get him there. Temperature in our seat is 5 centigrade. 4.5. 4. She would be approaching the airlock. Airlock. Chris, can you release your hatch? Nadia can open the hatch. I sent the command. Uh, uh, my, my hatch. Nadia, is the hatch open? Uh, I sent the command and the airlock has responded. Temperature critical. Air loss again critical. Jet cycle has stopped precisely two meters from the airlock hatch. Excellent work, Marcus. Tell me the instant he's inside. The robot holding the front of our suit closed is backing toward the hatch. We need Chris and both bots fully inside. We cannot risk closing the hatch on any stray limbs, even of the robots. We are mostly inside. Robots report proximity clear. All of us are now fully inside. Please pressurize quickly. Close the hatch. You are go for pressure up. Hatch closing. Positive seal. Pressurizing. 5%. 10. 15. Thank God. Chris? Chris, can you hear me? Can you respond? 35%. We got him in the air. Dr. Mason, please respond. Come on, Chris. Dr. Mason, please respond. <sighs> Freezing. Nadia, what's the temperature in the suit? 10 degrees, but rising. Air level? 65. Open the inner hatch. At 65? He needs the warmth now as much as the air. Open the hatch. Inner hatch opening now. Chris, report your condition. Uh, I'm cold. Can you get out of the airlock? Uh, yeah, now, now that the now that the wind has stopped, yeah. Well, uh. We are out of the airlock and in the nexus, closing in a hatch. Temperature in the suit. 16 degrees. Chris, can you get your helmet off? Uh, I can... I can try. It's not coming off. It's... it's, it's Pressure outside, greater than inside. Of course. Tell Robot 1 to let go of his suit. Let that gash open again. Robot grip open. And air is rushing into the hole in our suit. Okay. Okay, yeah, I can feel it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I can get the helmet off. <laughs> Welcome aboard, Doctor. Thank you. Congratulations on completing your second EVA. Well, you're right. I think the four of us make a great team. Yes, I think we do. Oh, oh, oh hang on, hang on now, hang on, Marcus. Can you tell if getting that piece of junk out of the gap has put the rotation back on track? I'm getting a perfectly round pattern again. Oh, yes. <laughs> Chris, I am so sorry. I don't know what to uh, say. What, what, what are you sorry for? I could tell that the metal bar you used as a lever would most likely recoil into your chest. 
I should have warned you that damage to the suit was oh, almost Nadia, I, come on, I should have known that too. I mean, it's just, it's just basic physics. Still, it is literally my job to constantly ensure your safety. And I failed. Nadia, any of us could have made the we same... We did all make the same mistake. <laughs> yeah. Good point. We all should have anticipated that. Uh, yeah, look, let's just call it my mistake anyway. I just got I got carried away and it could have killed me and it was my fault. I say we declare a general amnesty. Oh, yeah, I like that even better. Sounds good. Nadia? This is most distressing. I feel that it must be difficult to forgive yourself when you have hurt someone in your care. Even when they forgive you. And this is a normal human experience? I'm afraid it is, Nadia, but uh, the important thing is that I am alive thanks to all of you, and together we fix the rotation problem, and now I am going to my little bed where I plan to be inert for many hours. Konyechny, you have a go for that maneuver. Mission Control, out. You, my lady, you were amazing. Thank you, but you were the one who... That remote steering, that was... You made all the right calls when I didn't know what to do. <laughs> so we made a good team, is what you're saying. That is what I'm saying. Hey. Hey. I made a promise to my mother. I know you did. Gotta say it at least once a day. I live for it. I love you, Marcus. Hey, you know what? I didn't promise anybody I'd tell you every day that I love you. It's never too late. I'm just gonna make that deal with you. I like that. You think the boss might let us off early today? Seeing we just saved the mission and saved that man's life? I don't know. Your boss can be kind of unreasonable. She's gotten so much better in the last couple of years. That's what I hear, but walking away from the job? The doctor's asleep. Nadia's going to watch him like a mother hen. Hmm. <laughs> I love Kelly come up and take charge. <laughs> I think she ages a year every time we put her up here. Yeah, it's good for her. Builds character. Hello, hello. Well, my doppelganger in deep space. How are you, Doc? Getting older, Mac. Which I guess is always good considering the alternative. How about you? Uh, since you brought it up, I have a kidney problem that doesn't look good. Oh, oh Mac, I'm sorry. I, I, I wouldn't have made a glib joke like that if I... Is this the, uh... Yeah, the kidney thing. Decades of drinking toxic water. Yeah. We, uh, my friends uh, at Mission Control and I, just a few years ago, we, uh... Uh, we we knew somebody, uh, or somebody close to us had that. But hey, I have a lot of life yet to live, and I feel great most of the time, so I just keep working, you know? Well, I do indeed. That's what keeps me from going crazy here, so... Are you interested in more gossip from the secret life of plants? You know I am. But I'm growing a little skeptical about what we can find. Well, Mac, I I'm gonna have to believe in this enough for both of us, because... <laughs> Look, I have two whole forests here, full of plant life, that are either transplants from laboratories or the descendants of plants grown in laboratories. And from what I understand, every effort possible was made to grow things from the oldest seeds and the oldest bulbs and everything possible. Which still may have been contaminated. Now, I know it's not perfect, but... We need a time machine to get perfection. 
You don't happen to have one, do you? Well, I kind of do, but this one only goes into the future. Yes, for an unspoiled sample, we'd need to go back to before 1945. 45. That's when DDT became publicly available. And if we're right about that being where the mutations began... See, that's my whole point. Then maybe we'll find out where and how that change started. I I mean, I'm not a botanist. Neither am I. But come on. I've been drawing out plant fluids of all kinds. I have cellular breakdowns and uh, genetic images. I know, and I'm grateful for all the data you've been sending. you have the most extensive collection of plant pollution data on Earth, somewhere there has to be a difference between what I have here and what you have there. And when we find that, it will be, I promise you, it will be something that will tell us when and how the SAL virus formed and what made it happen. Well, I can't make any promises. Well, of course not. So can I ask a sort of personal question? Uh, sure. Are you still into the whole power of prayer thing? I ask because it's so unscientific. Power of prayer thing? Maybe you called it something else. I have no idea what you mean. Well, this was years ago, but people here were talking about how you made contact with Louis Anstey, and who I guess was some kind of mystic. Louis? No, he was actually the most unmystical person I think I've ever encountered. But didn't he believe the universe is alive and intelligent and we're all connected by streams of energy and can make things happen by thinking about them in a certain way or... Yeah, that was the gist of it. No, I thought you and your flight director made the plants and insects and your two forests move and sing, right? Synchronized. That is how we experienced it. But we have absolutely no way of proving that we caused that just by how we were thinking or feeling at the time. Eh, it's a pity. If you could alter matter and energy with your thoughts, I had a wish list for you. Oh, oh, I'd have one too. A long list. I didn't mean to sound like I was mocking the whole concept. For all I know, I've insulted your deeply held spiritual beliefs. Oh, no insult intended, so none taken. And for all I know, maybe the universe does respond to our thoughts and feelings. Maybe that's all that reality is. Do you know? Mac, I I wish I could tell you that I do. All that I've learned out here, for all the amazing things that Sophie and I experienced, I still don't... um, What what was it that Thomas Edison is supposed to have said? We don't know a millionth of one percent about anything. (laughs) Yeah, that sums it up. Well, send me more data. We'll crack this code together, doppelganger. We will. And, uh, you know, in the process, Mac, uh, be well. I'll do my best. Sudden deep desire to visit the habitat. It's like it keeps calling to me, which I guess is not entirely impossible. Nadia, will you connect me with Mission Control? Absolutely. In fact, the flight director and I were just talking about you. Uh, you what? You are connected. Uh, Konechny to Mission Control. <laughs> Mission Control, I... What is so funny? It's not so much funny as relief, but it was... <laughs> I don't know, I guess there is a funny aspect to it. The flight director refers to the protocol for training members of the deep space missions for their eventual isolation from the Earth. Oh, uh, you mean the training I was supposed to get that was going to keep me from going insane from loneliness? Yes, exactly. And this turns out to be funny. Well, no, I I shouldn't have laughed because 
it has its grim aspect as well. It simply caught me off guard. Are you feeling all right? Yes. Yes, I am. But <laughs> listen, I know I insisted that you get all the preparation possible before you and I are cut off. When this vessel begins deceleration and exits the compensator field. Yeah, yeah, I, I know what it is that I'm supposed to be ill-prepared for. Nadia and I agreed that you were overdue to begin the therapeutic regimen, so we connected for the purpose of scheduling your training. And I... <laughs> I didn't know what exactly it entailed. And I assumed that all of you did. But do you know how the crew of your ship was supposed to be trained for the isolation period? You know that I do not. First in small groups, then as individuals. You were to be segregated from the rest of the crew for varying lengths of time. And you would practice carrying out routine, mundane tasks. All the while having no contact with anyone but me. In other words, this training that I've been demanding you take, it's designed to train you to do exactly what you've already been doing for years. You must admit this has its humorous aspect. I guess it kind of does, maybe. Or perhaps not. Well, I am relieved, believe me. I mean, I've been dreading the day when you made me start this torture that I was expecting. Turns out you've already earned your diploma. Graduated magna cum laude. (laughs) No, you know, I would probably find this hilarious too, but uh, I don't know. I I just learned that Mac has the same treatment-resistant nephritis that your mother had. Oh, Chris, I'm sorry. And would they still have had this develop if they'd been on board this ship instead of me? Probably, but... Still. The fact that they consume toxic water for decades is not your fault. No, but it's funny. It's funny how it's made me think about Tipa. Of Captain Sadana, I fail to see the connection. Oh, just dying for no reason. I mean, Mac didn't ask for this. Deepa didn't ask for what happened to her. I mean, wait, did she have this isolation training before she left Earth? It was more likely part of her ongoing training once the mission was underway. That was an absurd blunder on somebody's part, but not hers. Somebody, somebody somewhere up the command structure failed to understand how powerful loneliness can be. They thought it was going to be because they were on this spaceship. Some people, oh my god, Deepa, Deepa was dying of loneliness when she came on board. I mean, when there were 21 people here, the rest of us... We felt like we always had each other, you know, but 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 not her. I I know I talked with her about this. She always felt like she was supposed to be separate from us, aloof and above and alone. And I and I know that for years she had felt distant from her family. You know, she had lived her military career striving to attain some invisible aspiration to a career plateau of some kind and I think she got there and realized she was she was alone she'd always been alone and now she was never going to be anything else and she simply couldn't go on living because being alone being truly alone is the worst thing that can happen to anyone do you feel you are alone Honestly, no. No, but I am never alone. I always have Nadia. And every now and then, you know, just, just when I need you the most, I get to talk with you. But there's no one you can see or touch. Well, no, that's, that's no fun. I, I, I've wished as hard as I could, but no, no playmates appear. Uh, but usually this place is full of sound. I, I mute the whole thing when, you know, you and I are talking, obviously, but 
uh, there is always some uh, music or some audio fiction you know, thundering through the whole ship because, <laughs> because what am I going to do? Annoy the neighbors? Plus, I have every book ever published and every film ever made, uh, so I am sustained through the power of narrative. <laughs> but the real treat is whenever I get to talk with you or Marcus, and when it's both of you online together, I, I, I swear, Sophia, some of the best times of my life, not, not just of this mission, of my whole life have been conversations that I've had with you or Marcus or you and Marcus. It's just so good when it's the three of us. Or the four of us. And when it's the four of us, that is absolutely the best. I am so very glad to hear it. Uh, I'm at the environment hatch, by the way. I was, I was just about to go into the habitat. Um, and talking about why I never feel like I'm alone, because nowadays I love the tropical zone in there even more than the temperate zone, because there is so much. It's just so alive, you know? And the birds and the bugs and the small apes and... Uh, I, I've gotten to know them. I, I spend time with them. They're my, they're my friends, and and they're all connected. But I know you'd never forget that. Never. Why do you suppose we never, we don't hear the voices anymore? No idea. And it's been years now. Yeah, it's it's like there was that one weird period in our lives, and then. I don't know, it's like we got the message so it doesn't need repeating. Or... Well, if Louis Anstey was right, the precise words were in our minds. It was the feeling that came from things around us that we picked up on. Yeah, but I still have so many questions about it. Maybe we always will. You hesitate at the hatch. Oh, uh, oh just because sometimes our communication goes a little weird when I'm inside. And, uh, and I did call Mission Control just to, well, just to say hi. Well, hi. <laughs> and I'll let you get in the habitat to visit all your friends. Yeah. You do understand, don't you? I mean, I, I am not alone here. Never. I'm so glad. Mission control out. A most pleasant conversation with the flight director. And I got to tell you, it fills me with joy to hear the uh, the two of oh, ow, uh, the two of you getting along so well. Are you in pain? Have you encountered an obstacle? No, I just I just sort of stumbled because I I uh, I don't have the same kind of motor skills that I had when I first came in here. <laughs> that was that was 15 years ago. I have seen nothing in your body scans to indicate a deterioration. Oh well, it's minor, but uh, you know. I, I don't expect it to get much better. And see, you see, this is why you don't want a physical body, Nadia. Because physical bodies age, they develop problems, sometimes crippling problems, and then they die. They die. And if I were fully human, I would be able to experience that as well. Well, yeah, but if you were fully human, one of your most powerful drives would be self-preservation. I mean, you know how all the life in here works. It's... Well, humans in particular do not look forward to the experience of death. But humans do not choose to be born. I have chosen the path of my evolution and growth. I believe I would understand at the proper time that death is simply the termination of the program I had been running. 
I don't, I don't know about that, Nadia. I, but I'm not the most sophisticated artificial intelligence in history either. So how could I know? Let's not talk about it right now, okay? Very well. We will discuss it later. Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. It's one of those days when it's just all you can do to get yourself into the bed. I think I overdid the hiking around today. Lights out. Yeah, best part of the day. <coughs> Hello. <coughs> uh, that sounded like a person. A real live human person. Chris. Uh, Dr. Mason? Hello? I'm sorry to bother you while you're trying to go to sleep. No, I must have fallen asleep already because I am obviously dreaming. No. No, this is real. This is really happening. Why can't I see you? I didn't want to turn on the lights just yet. Because first, we, uh, we need to talk. Relativity, episode 57. In which time is running out. Written, directed, and produced by Lee Shackelford. Featured in the cast were Alana Jordan, Clarence Brown, and Lee Shackelford. Dr. Mackenzie was played by Laurie Franklin. The Mystery Woman was played by Haley Carter. The role of central computer Nadia was played by herself. Transitional music in this episode was created by Etty Yeeby, Abdessa Maid. Please rate this program and leave a comment about it wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us attract new listeners to share this journey. And find out much more about the series, including ways you can subscribe, hear past episodes, and connect with us through social media, and how you can get exclusive content, all on our website at relativitypodcast.com. Relativity.